Please be seated, friends. This service that we gather here this evening to celebrate is one of the oldest services in our tradition. It's when the first Christians would gather and they would tell a story. They would tell the story of our salvation. This was particularly important before the scriptures were written and the Bible was collected together in one canon. And so this evening I thought I'd do something a little bit different. And I would tell a story. I would tell the story. So sit back and listen. In the beginning, well, not the beginning, for with the Holy One there is no beginning and no ending. The constraints of time have no hold over the Holy One who was and is and is to come. So let's start again. In a beginning, the Holy One created all that is. The things we know and can touch and see and the things we don't know and can't touch and can't see. Now the mechanics of this creative act are shrouded in mystery. I should pause here for a moment and say that at the heart of our story is mystery. A sense of unknowing threads this entire tale. It can be difficult to not know answers, to not give voice to all the inevitable questions. But I ask you to just inhabit this space for these few moments in faith, not seeking answers, just living the story. The Holy One created all that is, whether through word or song or scientific processes, all things came into being through the Holy One. And then something went wrong. It wasn't as it was intended to be. You see, the Creator gifted the creatures with freedom. Freedom to think and feel and act. Not merely mindless automatons, but living creatures full of desires, needs, and aspirations. Some of the created souls fooled through their decisions. And the beat of their hearts no longer echoed the rhythm of the Holy One's song. A rift formed between the Creator and the creatures. A separation deep and profound. The creatures the Holy One brought into being are many and diverse. But this story primarily concerns our own kind, human beings. The rift between the Holy One and humanity was as a tear in the fabric of the universe, and death came in through that rupture. We no longer walked as if in a verdant and bounteous garden with the Holy One, but were banished to the toilsome living of survival. We no longer regularly heard the voice of the Holy One, and we forgot the nuances of the sacred song. We became subject to suffering and death. Several times in our history, the Holy One transgressed the rift, directly communicating with humans, who particularly attuned their hearts and minds to be aligned with those of the Holy One. One such human was named Noah, and the Holy One saved him and his family from a devastating flood intended to wipe out the wickedness that covered the earth. Time went by. And the Holy One appeared to one of Noah's descendants, 
Avraham. The Holy One invited him on a journey to a new land to create a new home and a new nation. The Holy One made a covenant with this man, Avraham, declaring, I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the heaven, and will give to your offspring all these lands, and all the nations of the earth shall gain blessing for themselves through your offspring. The relationship begun at that moment continued as Abraham's descendants transformed into a nation, and they became known as the Holy One's chosen people. One of Abraham's great-grandsons was incredibly handsome and exceedingly gifted. His name was Yosef, and he was in all senses of the word the golden child, his father's favorite. Because of this, Yosef's brothers were insanely envious of him, and they sold him into slavery to get rid of him. Yosef ended up in Egypt, where he succeeded so greatly that he became the Pharaoh's second in command, with all the rights, privileges, and wealth that came with rank. The great famine plagued the world, and people despaired. But the Holy One blessed Yosef with foresight, and he built up great stores of grain in Egypt, enough to last seven years. Yosef's estranged brothers journeyed to Egypt to beg for food, and when it was revealed to them that their own brother, who lovingly forgave them their transgressions, was in charge of the distribution of food, they moved with their families to Egypt. Through the generations of Egypt, the Holy One's chosen people grew in number and strength. Then a pharaoh of Egypt arose who only loved his own people and saw the chosen people's number and strength as a threat. He enslaved them because they were different, the outsiders, the other. The Holy One found a man who remembered the sacred song and appeared to that man, Moshe, in the form of a bullet push, a light with a fire that did not consume nor burn. Moshe was entrusted with the project of liberating the chosen people from the heartless Pharaoh. Through miraculous intervention, he led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, wandering in the desert, and finally arrived in the land that the Holy One had given to his ancestor, Abraham. While in the desert, on a sacred mountain, the Holy One gave Moshe a set of 613 laws to guide and govern the people. The land of Abraham was rich, full of milk and honey, and there the chosen people thrived, building a great nation. But in their success, they forgot all that the Holy One had done for them and abandoned the sacred laws. As time progressed, the rift between creator and creatures continued to expand. The Holy One bestowed upon sages prophetic words, and they came out of the desert to speak against corruption, hypocrisy, and injustice. They called the people back to the Holy One's ways, and sometimes they listened for a while, but they always diverged from the sacred path. One of these sages was named Yehizkel, and he shared a vision which promised that it was never too late to return, that the Holy One would pick up 
the desiccated bones of their nation and breathe new life into them as they just sang once again the Creator's song. Over time, this pattern of straying from the sacred path and returning to it was repeated again and again, and the rift between Creator and creatures remained. In the fullness of time, when all things were ready, the Holy One chose to become one of us, to become fully human, to repair the rift. The Christ, the third person of the Holy One, entered the world as a baby, child of Mariam, the God-bearer, daughter of the chosen people, descendant of Abraham, inheritor of the covenant, and she named this child Yeshua. Most people didn't recognize the divine wrapped in bones, sinews, nerve tissue, muscle, and skin. They were blinded to what was right before them. However, many saw something special, something numinous in Yeshua, and they started to call him the Son of God, and the Son of Man, and the Messiah. Yeshua gathered people around himself. He called his students out of their everyday lives, seeing the greatness hidden within by the mundane trappings of their everyday lives. Together they traveled the land, and he taught in such an engaging manner that crowds gathered wherever he went. And it wasn't just his rhetorical style, but the actual teachings that captured the people's hearts and minds. Yeshua taught that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, and like a pearl merchant who sells all that he owns to buy a pearl of exceptional value, and like the small amount of yeast that makes a large portion of dough rise. Yeshua taught that to be in right relationship with the Holy One, we must be in right relationship with each other, even those who antagonize us. So we must not judge each other. So we must consider it our duty to extravagantly help all those who Using the words of the sage Isaiah, Yeshua proclaimed, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim relief to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yeshua healed people regardless of their social status or ethnic background. He shared the table with outcasts of society and proclaimed that in the Holy One's order, the first are last and the last are first. Yeshua taught that all 613 of the laws given to Moshe can be summarized into two laws. He proclaimed, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love was the cardinal virtue. And everything he did was because of and through love. Yeshua preached against corruption and hypocrisy, often aiming his remarks at the spiritual elite who profited off of the piety of the rich and the poor alike. 
these egotistical leaders were so afraid of losing their own power that they conspired to have him turned over to the Roman officials on charges of treason. They cruelly incited the crowds to gather at his trial to shout for his crucifixion. After torture and ridicule, Roman soldiers nailed Yeshua to a cross to die. But the pain and the humiliation did not crush the divine hidden within. Love still reigned. Even in that painful moment, he offered compassionate words of comfort to a priest crucified with him, saying, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And the unthinkable happened. Yeshua died. His friends, students, and followers were distraught and filled with grief. How could this man of love be killed through means of capital punishment? But they didn't know the whole story. The Holy One, the one who was and is and is to come, the creator of all, is not subject to death as we humans are, and Yeshua, being fully mortal and fully immortal, could not die. In participating in death and walking through this dark way, Yeshua broke it. Death could not contain the Holy One and was destroyed through Yeshua's participation in it. Three days after his crucifixion, Yeshua was raised from the dead and appeared to women who gathered at his tomb to care for his lifeless body. They were fearfully and joyfully astounded that he was alive. He then began to appear to more of his friends, and they spread the good news of his resurrection. The news is not good just because Yeshua was no longer dead. The news is good news because through this action, through his participation in death, he has breached the age-old rift between creator and creatures establishing a bridge so that we have a way back to the Holy One who created us and loves us. This is what we celebrate on this most holy evening. This is what we remember on this most sacred night. The Holy One has bridged the rift. Rejoice, my friends. Sing with me once again this sacred song. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia.